Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. For those that know me know that I am very passionate about entrepreneurship, um, professionally, personally, uh, as a dad, um, as someone who has been very fortunate to travel the world and see the power of entrepreneurship um, in real time, in person, uh, with incredible people, uh, young and those that have been established and working on second and third careers. So I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Dr. J.D. LaRock. He's the president and CEO of NFTE. That's the network for teaching entrepreneurship. And if you don't know them, you will You will after today. They are all over the U.S. and in, I believe 18 countries and counting. And Dr. LaRock has spent time at the World Economic Forum. And and really, I want to do something. I said to him off air, so he's he's prepped to, uh, I guess, blush a little bit. But I think his his background is incredibly important because it speaks to me. I'll, I'll get on my soapbox to the responsibility that I think uh, accomplished people, people that have seen the world and understand the intricacies of our economy and the way in which the talent pool works, and how if we don't all sort of go and work in the same direction, uh, we're going to struggle uh, in the future. And I think Dr. LaRock and JD. Um, if we personalize the conversation, he he uh, is really reflective of that. So I want to welcome in Dr. J.D. LaRock. He's the president and CEO of NFTE. Um, he comes from Commonwealth Corporation in Massachusetts, public-private state authority focused on workforce development and regional economic development. As president and CEO of Commonwealth prior to NFTE, Dr. LaRock chaired Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker's Commission on Digital Innovation and Lifelong Learning, producing a blueprint for innovative work-based learning models that garnered significant investment from major foundations. Previously, he served as a senior education advisor to the late U.S. Senator Ted Kennedy, leading work on the renewal of the Federal Higher Education Act, as well as a passage of a law that provided $20 billion in new Pell Grants to college students. As education policy director for former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick, he helped author a K-12 education law that enabled turnarounds in low-performing school districts and helped the state win $250 million through the U.S. Department of Education's race to the top program. And I could go on and on. Also a fellow with the Aspen Institute's Economic Opportunities Program. JD, let's we can go in a million directions here. And of course, we want to learn about NFTE. When did it tell me when it, it clicked for you, the concept of entrepreneurship? Because I have contended that, you know, I'm in my mid-40s. Uh, I'll date myself. <laughs> and I do not recall growing up when the term entrepreneur or entrepreneurship actually sort of came on to the scene. I remember growing up and thinking, well, if somebody's parent, you know, owned their own shop or they had their own insurance company, I, that was what they did. They, they had a shingle out, right? Um, but they weren't an entrepreneur. And of course, now that's all kids talk about, think about. My kids are 11 and 8, and I'm sure that they will be entrepreneurs and start and work for many businesses during their professional lives. When did it click for you, the term entrepreneurship, and when did you decide, all right, I've got to do something beyond what I've been doing in these very notable positions? Well, thanks a lot, Rod, and it's great to be with you. Appreciate you shining a light on what we do at, at Nifty. And you can call us Nifty. Uh, it's uh, our, our acronym here at the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. You know, I'll, the, the, um, uh, the story is, for me is that entrepreneurship, Entrepreneurship really clicked when I was leading the Commonwealth Corporation in Governor Charlie Baker's administration in Massachusetts. One of the things we did as part of that job is administer education for the state's juvenile justice system. And within that uh, work, 
one of the things that was most successful was an entrepreneurship education program. And I got to meet and interact with students who were incarcerated um, for some serious things that they had done. Um, but they found a lifeline to a future through the entrepreneurship education that we were offering. We were literally working with students who were running active businesses from behind the wall, from behind bars, um, culinary businesses, uh, shoe repair businesses, uh, other types of artisan-focused businesses. And it occurred to me that entrepreneurship is a really powerful way of sparking something within a young person because it starts from an idea that a student has or a person has around what they're passionate about. And that was really the seedbed for uh, our further work at Nifty. So when I heard that Nifty was looking for a new CEO, I really latched on to that experience and said, you know what, um, I've seen how powerful entrepreneurship education can be in one particular setting. I know that this can be equally powerful delivered to students in communities across the U.S. and around the world. And in fact, we're now in 24 countries and 30 states in the U.S. serving more than 50,000 students a year. And we see the power of entrepreneurship education play out as we work with students and start with the premise, start with the question, what motivates you? What do you care about? What are you passionate about? You can make that a business and we can teach you how. So love that. And I also love being corrected. We go from 18 to 24. I mean, that's important as the, the growth continues. Um, so, okay. It's a, what a story, right? I, I can imagine I have in a past life, uh, I've worked with uh, children in the juvenile justice system. So I have a great affinity for the experience that I'm sure that you had in those conversations and those experiences with the young people. Um, does that, is that more, and maybe this is a very poor choice of words, JD, but is that more of an indictment on our education system than the feel good story? Because it had to take that kind of an experience for the light bulb, right? To, because I'm amazed, like I'm in Nashville and, you know, there are some schools now that are starting to have programs specifically for entrepreneurs, for young people to be entrepreneurs within a public high school, public and private high schools, which I think is a great sign. But it is 2023. And should we not be sort of speeding along a little bit faster? Should we be looking to apply this more broadly? Um, where do you sit on that? I mean, of course, it is an incredible story and we've got to start somewhere. But should we not be leading the cause even further when I think about the U.S. and how much entrepreneurism seems to be in you know, the spirit of this country? Well, absolutely. I mean, the country was founded uh, uh, at least partially on the principle of capitalism and free enterprise. I mean, these are founding ideas that undergird our nation. So it absolutely should be reflected in what we deliver uh, through our public schools. Um, and I think that there is uh, today an increasing groundswell for entrepreneurship education in schools generally. You know, we in Massachusetts and the work that I used to do had the flexibility to be able to provide this particular sort of education. Um, but there's no difference between the students that we were working with and any other student in terms of the ability of entrepreneurship education to light that spark, uh, to take a passion and to turn that into a business. As a matter of fact, when I go around the country and around the world, every time I get the same comment from adults who witness what our, our learners are doing, and that comment is, 
boy, I wish I had this when I was in school. Uh, it's an it's a sort of obvious thing. And I think that the reason why entrepreneurship education is taking off in more communities and states in the U.S. and around the world um, is because people see um, that it's a really engaging way to learn. It's also a really effective way to learn. Think about it. Entrepreneurship education involves the development of so many different important domains for school and life. It involves communication. It involves project-based learning. It, it often involves collaboration if you're working with a partner. It involves testing and failure. It involves literacy. You're pitching. It involves public speaking. It involves numeracy. You have to come up with a business plan, both substantively and numerically. Uh, you have to understand the economics of the product or the service that you're trying to develop. So when we work with schools and we describe what it is that entrepreneurship education is all about, teachers and administrators and district leaders quickly come to see that it's such an interesting and effective platform for doing the types of things that they are already trying to teach their students. It's just teaching it in a more um, interesting, project-based, and uh, in, in synthetic type of way. It's such a welcome and refreshing antidote in many uh, places to the type of um, you know, kill and drill, standardized testing, direct instruction-based uh, instruction that that um, that many students are offered. Uh, I think that's why uh, it, it is taking it is taking shape and and coming to the fore in more and more places these days. I'm glad you brought that up about uh, the drill and skill and these sorts of things because the one element that I hope we can avoid, um, but we are human. <laughs> And we're talking also about the education system where sometimes we can take two steps forward to take, you know, two or three, you know, backwards and then sort of pivot and maybe create a new path or new direction based on what we've learned. Um, and that also that just impacts time and obviously cohorts of students as they pass through the system. The one area that I'm I'm wanting to focus in on in, is the mental health, the ability for a young person to sort of you know, uh, understand the tenets of being an entrepreneur, all these different areas that you talk about, which I think is very important in the complexities of how to become an entrepreneur. But the one area that I that I hope we are addressing, but I have this this tiny little voice in me that says, are we going to make a similar mistake as we have in every other sort of domain of education like technology? Let's just digitize everything. Wait a minute, that doesn't have, that may not apply to, you know, sort of uh, good principles and learning. Um, is how do we understand the mental makeup? How do we support the pressures of being an entrepreneur? Because it is very different than the nine to five that, you know, sort of just sort of people with hair my color <laughs> grew up with. Or and when we think about that, when you can sort of turn everything off. I recently spent time at the Wealthflix conference business conference in Los Angeles and I interviewed Magic Johnson and we talked specifically about mental health of entrepreneurs. And ironically, in all the work he's done, he said he had never been asked the question about mental health and how to preserve it for entrepreneurs. Where do you stand on that as form, uh, creating sort of a formal approach to supporting the makeup and the fortitude you have to have? Because it's, boy, there are more no's than yeses in the world of entrepreneurship and the ability to bounce back, to understand sort of where you are, your value proposition, how you might go in with a dream of X, but operationally you're serving in another uh you know in another seat uh, those things can have great impact and if you don't have a support system that can have i think long-term effects on your your success as an entrepreneur and really the health and wellness of the individual you know i think one of the reasons why mental health for entrepreneurs is is such an important topic is because 
by and large, so many entrepreneurs don't have the grounding in entrepreneurship education like we provide. And in addition to in addition to the um, the academic skills that we provide through our entrepreneurship education program, we're also developing skills of resilience. We're also um, so so, for example, you know, we teach our young learners that, that um, the process of developing a business is necessarily going to uh, be a process where you encounter roadblocks. And so when you do, you have to pivot and persevere. That's one of our mantras. Um, failing is okay. Surmounting the failure is really what matters. But we also have elements of our program that are really important for learners to 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 know and understand. Our model is buttressed by a very robust uh, corporate and community volunteer support model. So these are people from companies or from the community who come into classrooms and who will rehearse their um, business pitches with the students or who will scrutinize their business plans and find the weaknesses and the things to work on. So we also um, embed in our students an understanding that you're not alone and that you shouldn't be alone, that the process of learning, the process of entrepreneurship is ultimately a process where you have a network of people and you can draw on a network of people to help and support you, whether those are mentors or, or those are you know, venture capitalists and investors, whether they're your classroom teacher, to remember that there's a network of support that you can turn to in those tough times. And what we ultimately go through with our learners is a process of ideation of the business idea, development of that idea, and refinement of the idea. Um, in that process, again, students are going through 10, 15, 20 iterations of the same idea. They may take an idea up to a point, realize it's not going to work out, and pivot and pick up something else. All of those things, that whole process, as well as the uh, knowledge that there's a support system around you, helps um, helps uh, develop perseverance and resilience in our learners that I think helps them when they ultimately become entrepreneurs in the real world. And that, again, I would say may be a critical difference between the our students and the students who uh, and the people out in the world who uh, start up a business without that foreknowledge of, of how to go about it. Katie, can you speak to maybe some of the lessons? I know you haven't been there from from the outset, but over a million students impacted at Nifty. What are, what are we learning about? Um, Sort of the talents maybe that young people bring. You know, I go back to, again, it sounds like I'm dating back to when I was in high school, but you know, you had your career counselors and sort of, there were sort of the, you know, these minimalist uh, assessments that would say, you may be good in these sectors or you might enjoy this kind of an environment. Um, what are we learning about these young people, the talents that they bring that are very different than what you and I brought to the table and how those talents can be applied in different pieces and parts of a building team that is entrepreneurial in nature. I mean, I'm seeing it even at the higher the higher ed level. Uh, I guess Luxury Vanderbilt's Business School have been doing that for years, and they're bringing in students with very different backgrounds than they would historically have brought in for a master's of accountancy program because they're seeing on the other side of the table a very diverse need from the market in having the skills and talents be expressed differently than they may have 20, 30 years ago. So what are we understanding about the students and the way in which we are thinking about slotting or the way in which they might be conceiving of that and where they might fit? Maybe they are really operationally talented. And so 
boy, being an entrepreneur really suits them and they'll have a lot of options because operations can be pretty tough when you're launching it right off of the ground. Some people have a great voice and can motivate and inspire and maybe it is the CEO role that they're going to hold. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you've learned about the young people and how they might be thinking about where their talents might fit in this new environment? Well, you know, Nifty, again, um, works uh, primarily in low-income communities, in, in communities that have been um, excluded um, from a lot of the benefits of our broader society. And I would say, you know, um, a lot of the students that we work with are students that um, the school system and maybe even society more broadly has traditionally written off. Uh, and I would say that that is because of some Thing that is profoundly uh, in need of change at the school level and not the student level. Um, again, when you when you provide a type of education that begins with the question, "Who are you, and what do you care about?" You can quickly tap into the skill and passion that that individual has. In contrast, if you if you structure a school system that focuses on uh, specific types of academic learning only and specific ways of of um, specific things that are reified and celebrated, performing well on tests, getting the so-called right answer, um, you are going to, um, by definition, uh, miss a lot of the human talent that is already around you. And so what I think we've not learned but really unveiled for the schools and communities that we work with, um, for the school district, state level officials that we work with, is that there are better ways of uncovering the skills and talents that already exist in the students that we've worked with. And instead of um, diminishing them for the types of skills that they don't have, that the school system has uh, sort of laid at their steps, there's a completely a completely different way uh, at, of looking at those students and their talents and what they can bring to the fore and develop. And so, you know, again, when we when we do our program in this way, um, we quickly find that there are tons of students who are naturally creative. They're natural communicators. They're natural pitchmen or pitch women. They may have a really good ability uh, to take a complicated topic and speak to it in human terms that resonate. Um, they may often see needs in their communities that can be translated into a business. So really, it's just about... Um, it's it's really about seeing education in a different way and not seeing the students in a different way because I often say you know what we do at Nifty um, doesn't do is what we do at Nifty is really simply about taking what's already there and bringing it to the fore and that's one thing special that I think entrepreneurship education does. Well said, and I like the reframe on that because it is true. If we, you know, we have to look as adults in the systems that we're putting in place, and are we supporting students or are we? Uh, furthering sort of the uh, the marginalization that many are experiencing, sadly. Uh, let's talk about what it's like for a school. So, um, not putting you in the position of the of the one that's pitching Nifty <laughs> to a district or a school. Um, walk me through what the experience is like to be onboarded, and and what's the commitment from the school? Because I, you know, 
again, we go back to education. One of the challenges can be, where do we fit this in? How does it work in our community? Do we have the personnel? Uh, we love a we love a given program, but we're not sure we have the mechanisms in place for it to be successful at a given point in time. So how does it work uh, for Nifty to come into a community? Yeah, well, um, we we can offer a variety of programs. Typically, our program is a is a school day program. It's a formal class within the school. Uh, it can typically take place as a year long program or as a semester long program. And we train teachers to deliver a curriculum that we've developed. And so we have an, uh, we have a rigorous training process uh, that's very supportive of the educator who is actually delivering uh, the program. And we also have staff that visit the school and connect with the teacher uh, to make sure the program is going well along the way. As I said, we also have a really fantastic network of corporate and community volunteers, corporate volunteers from companies like uh, EY and SAP, Goldman Sachs, Mary Kay, Intuit, uh, I could go on and on, PayPal, um, who are professionals, um, diverse professionals who have uh, enthusiasm and skill and who are there to support the teacher and the learners through special coaching opportunities and practice pitch opportunities um, so that as a student goes through this process of, number one, identifying the business idea, number two, developing the idea and and turning it into a formal business plan, and number three, refining that business plan and creating a good pitch around it um, that, that everyone is supported throughout the way. Um, our programs show up in a number of different ways in schools. Um, sometimes they are an elective at a high school or a middle school. Sometimes in a career in technical education high school, um, they are a formal class that stands alongside um, the skill that the student is learning, whether that's automotive, electrical, metal shop, things like this. Sometimes it can show up up as a math class because again uh, there's obviously a, a ton of numeracy education that happens when you're um, figuring out how to put together a business so um it's not a one-size-fits-all type of thing we also have a program called startup tech which combines entrepreneurship education with uh with coding and that's really good um, because uh, a huge strand of the businesses that our students propose are app-based businesses um, our students tend to develop businesses in three main categories, traditional products and services, app-based businesses, and social entrepreneurship businesses. And so, uh, you know, our programs are uh, promote the ability of our students to develop uh, any of those types of businesses, but it's all a very supportive model. And uh, it's at very low or no cost to the school. Uh, our model is significantly underwritten through by philanthropy. And so we ask schools typically to uh, devote uh, some skin in the game um, through sources that they get typically um, to help support programs like ours. That may be federal Perkins dollars or Title I dollars, um, but really we can um, go into schools at a very low cost uh, to those schools. And that's another benefit of the program. It sounds like you are really, um like you're in a great environment if we sort of pivot the conversation to you and and finding it you know it, it it is speak it speaks to entrepreneurship you know people finding the spot that just really suits their talents and keeps them motivated and inspired and engaged do you do you wake up pinching yourself sometimes that you are at the helm of something so transformational for so many young people i mean you're changing we talk about the sort of you know the branch of a tree a family tree 
I mean, what Nifty is doing has that kind of impact. I'm not trying to be, you know, um, there's, there's no hyperbole here. This is, this is impactful. This is transformational. Do you, do you feel a great sense of responsibility and how do you balance that with just the pure personal excitement of you as an individual and what you've accomplished that it has allowed you to open this door and to really thrive in the environment? Well, I, I do feel a great sense of uh, excitement and enthusiasm uh, as the as the head of Nifty. You know, I, I've worked uh, as an education policymaker and an education official for most of my career. And I've worked on a whole bunch of different things to reform education. I worked on laws that have um, changed the governance of schools. I've worked on uh, laws that have provided more money for people to access college. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, if you really want to make an impact on what's happening in American schools and schools worldwide, you have to go back to what's happening in the classroom and the mechanics of teaching and learning. And that's what Nifty is. Nifty is a program. Nifty is a curriculum. Nifty is a specific way of learning that is a different way of learning. And as I've said, is a really powerful way of learning. And when I think about um, our country, um, you know, our country is one that is founded on belief in individual opportunity and achievement. It is a country that is founded on the idea of free enterprise as one of the things that undergirds our collective society. Um, and uh, it is a country that believes in the idea of capitalism. One of the things we talk about uh, at Nifty is the idea of inclusive capitalism, that capitalism, you know, it has its upsides. It certainly has its downsides. But one thing we know is that not everybody has had the opportunity to experience the benefit of its upsides. And that's what we're bringing to our communities. Our students, as I've said, are as naturally talented and enterprising as any students that you will find. What they haven't had in many cases is access to the tools that can get them uh, to express those talents in a way that can provide uh, an expression, a venue for the expression of their talents and their skills and a venue for the development of their own economic self-sufficiency. And I truly believe that Nifty is playing a significant role in developing the next generation of diverse entrepreneurs. Um, you know, our statistics over our 36 year history show that not just the million plus students that we've served, but the many examples of corporate CEOs and small business owners um, who remain entrepreneurs after going through our program. And we do something that no other organization does. No other organization in the United States is focused on providing entrepreneurship education to the specific communities that we serve. And so we're doing doing something unique and special that is promote, promoting the social mobility of individuals and communities, and I think also contributing to the social fabric of the United States as a whole. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we didn't even touch on it, but even the financial literacy component, I mean, all the sort of these core elements that you would need as a young person uh, to get up to speed so that you could then, I guess, digest um, and apply uh, the knowledge and skills that Nifty would be teaching. Is that... A, is that a challenge? Is that an opportunity? Is that a hurdle when you think about the baseline skills that maybe these students have not had access to? It's both, really, um, because to some degree we are um, trying to um, 
help make up for certain elements of, of a core education that students have not always received. But on the other hand, we're providing an entree into developing those skills and talents that is different. And as I've said, uh, often tends to catch fire in a, a in a, a deeper and more significant way. So, um, you know, I'm very happy to uh, to be a part of improving education in the communities that we work with. Well, I, it's such a great uh, pleasure to spend some time with you. I love what you're doing. I hope this is the first of many conversations. Any way that I can help what Nifty is doing, I want to I want to support. I think it's uh, as a dad, it's uh, I'm going to put my dad hat on. I think it's incredibly important. And for, like I said, seeing around the world um, populations that are marginalized and giving an opportunity, opening a door that can transform not just an individual, but a family and a community um, is is worth noting and, and worth spreading that word. Let's make sure people know where they can go to find more about you, JD, and the team. You can go to Nifty, which is nfte.com, and uh, peruse the uh, the website. Anywhere else that they should go or any news items that that we want folks to know about? Uh, the website's a great place to start. Um, you know, we uh, look, hey, I mean, look, at, look in your local papers because we are in 30 states already, and our learners are often covered uh, for the fantastic businesses that they're creating in uh, in the local and regional papers and on TV. So uh, keep your eyes open. You may just see a nifty learner who has uh, launched a business that's uh, something special. Well, you are something special to to the young people and obviously the team that you work with to be able to get to where you guys are. Nifty, uh, 36 years and counting, 30 states, 24 countries. Uh, we applaud what you're doing and we will definitely be following you uh, in the days, weeks and years to come and the impact that you'll be having across this across this planet. We want to thank President and CEO of Nifty, Dr. J.D. LaRock. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.